0: hello everyone my name is piero carletti i am a fourth year at nsumd and today i will be your host of sink or swim the nsumd official podcast today we're going to talk about the beauty and the challenges of having a life outside of medical school and beyond so i have a very uh, i have a group of guests today and the first guest is going to be Ariana Tovar and just to give you a brief introduction Ariana is an international medical graduate doing uh, research at the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute and applying to ophthalmology right now. Ariana is actually from Venezuela as well like I am and so we have a ton of things in common and spend a lot of time together research at Bascom and outside. But uh, I'll let Ariana introduce herself now.
1: Okay, I think you already did a very thorough introduction for myself, but again, my name is Ariana. Uh, I graduated from med school in Venezuela in my hometown, Barquisimeto, back in 2018, and when I finished. Uh, Medical school. I moved immediately to the U.S. to start with the process of, you know, taking the steps and doing research because I knew that I was interested in ophthalmology. And, of course, uh, I had to do research. So, yeah, my last four years of my life, I've been doing research. Actually, three. First year, I was only studying for step one, basically. (laughs) Right, I know. Yeah, because it's a little bit different. We get trained a little like training in Venezuela is a little bit different than training here in the U.S., So I had to get well prepared to take the step and I needed a great score to be able to apply for ophthalmology. So I took the first year to only study for step one. Mm -hmm. And then in 2019, I started doing research here in Bascom, which I've been doing for the last three years. Gotcha. First two years, I worked for a cornea specialist, mostly doing basic and translational research, meaning that I was mostly in the lab, processing samples, cultivating fun. cells. Yeah, so much fun <laughs> <laughs> the first two years. And then this last year, um, I've been doing more clinical research with another mentor. And, well, that's pretty much the last years of my life.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. Thank you for that recap. I think there's so many good points here to talk about. Um, I think the first one is, of course, you knew you had to do research because yeah. you were applying to ophthalmology coming yeah. from uh, outside the U.S. And even for U.S. students, it's, it's imperative to do research. Yeah. And a lot of people do research years before ophthalmology. I can imagine for international medical graduates, it's, yeah. you have to do so much more. Yeah, and then, exactly.
1: And especially because in Venezuela, we don't have, because it's not in the best situation right now. Right they do not have money to spend for research. So right. I did not have the opportunity to do much much research when I was there. So I needed to start from the beginning. And that's the reason why I've been doing research for three years now.
0: Wow. And also, I feel like maybe a lot of people in the U.S. don't have the, this perspective, but there's just not the infrastructure to do research. Right. I don't think... So just to give a little bit of background, I I was born and raised in Venezuela, and I actually did one year of medical school in Venezuela before I came to the U.S. to do college. And um, so I, I'm, a, I'm aware of the structure of the medical school system in Venezuela, and I think one thing people take for granted in the U.S. is just opportunities to do yeah. research. Yeah, yeah there is just even the concept of research doesn't really exist
1: at all in a
0: lot of other countries and yeah. it it's just something that seems unattainable
1: yeah it's um, it's so expensive to do research and when right. they don't have resources not even for you know drugs or uh resources in general not right. even uh doctors how are they going to like why would they spend money doing right. research right.
0: so and that's what makes the the American medical education system so complex. Yeah. There's so much. Re, there's so many resources, labs, um, and all these things. So I don't know. Just a, a quick plug to to um, make people aware of how privileged we are to have all these resources in the U.S.
1: You are, guys. So take advantage of that early <laughs> on.
0: <laughs> and then step one. Yes, I feel like it's so common for people to take a full year, even more sometimes. Yeah. To take step one. I didn't realize. That until I came here and, and, uh, and realized that medical school in the U.S. is essentially, like, tailored yeah. to take step one. It's
1: oriented towards step taking one. step one and step two as well.
0: That's crazy, guys. Basically, <laughs> STEP has shaped our medical education. <laughs> and not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> but topic for another day, uh, maybe. Um, so, let's start... At the beginning. So what was your path to medicine? When did you know that you wanted to do medicine?
1: So I come from a family of doctors. Okay. Uh, both my parents are physicians, my grandparents were physicians as well. Okay. So it wasn't that hard for me to know <laughs> that I wanted to be a doctor as well. I've been exposed to medicine my whole life. All the conversations while we were having lunch at home would be a, about, you know, my parents talking about their patients or shared patients because my dad is a surgeon, my mom is a gastroenterologist, so you can imagine wow. that they shared a lot of patients. <laughs> And well, of course that's how I got interested in medicine in general. However, I did not like uh their specialties. I would not like to be as general surgeon as my dad or a gastroenterologist. However, I like things about both professions. I like surgery because you get to operate and I love that. Yeah. Uh, um <clears throat> and on the other hand, with my mom, I saw how she built these long-term relationships with her patients, which I also love. And, well, that's why I find that ophthalmology offers this opportunity. Like, I feel it's the perfect scenario for me, which I'll, I'll, where I'll have surgeries, but clinics as well.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's one of those points that you hear in medical school from the beginning. And, I mean, I can tell you from my perspective, because I chose ophthalmology pretty late. And you hear this from the beginning of med school, like, oh, figure out whether you want to do procedures or not and figure out whether you, wanna, whether you like clinic or not, and then figure out whether you wanna have long relationships with your patients or yeah. short relationships. Like some people don't like short re- long relationships with their yeah, patients. I they know. just want a very quick, you know, in and out, and they love it. Surgeons. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what my dad
1: says. <laughs> he loves about his profession. Like <laughs> he saves lives, and then bye, <laughs> never seeing you again.
0: <laughs> you know, and that's that's it. If you're, if that's what you're really good at, then then do what you're very good at, and and be honest with yourself. Yeah. I think that's really important. Sometimes this, this can come off as like, oh, but like that's mean. You're supposed to like having long-term you know, relationships yeah. with your parent with your patients and if you don't like it you're not going to do it well so be honest with yourself when choosing a specialty if you don't like something you don't like it
1: yeah and like it depends a lot on on your personality for example my parents my dad is very fast-paced in general like His whole life is fast paced (laughs) and he can't, he doesn't have the patience to sit down with a patient and, you know, ask them to take their medications. Like he's not into that. He doesn't have (laughs) the patience to do that. So I think that he being a surgeon is the best uh, thing for him. And then my mom, she's more patient. She likes to talk and her patients love her. And I don't see her like going super fast paced as a surgeon. So it depends a lot on your personality. Pay attention to that
0: be honest with yourselves guys you like what you like and you need to be a happy doctor to be a good doctor yeah um okay so now you basically knew that you wanted to do medicine from the beginning and i know in venezuela you go straight from high school to night school which is essentially how it goes for the majority of the world outside of the u.s and canada um now, did you have any hobbies or any professions? Did you play any sports uh, before medical school?
1: Yeah, so because both my parents were doctors, they were pretty busy all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I can imagine. Yeah, so they had me in every single extracurricular activity that you can imagine. <laughs> I was never at home. After I finished school, I was in a bilingual school.
2: Okay, nice.
1: Um. And we finished school at 3 p.m. And after that, my grandmother would take me either to my piano lessons. Uh, Yeah, I was in a school of music. I learned it was like a, um, you know, a formal program to study music. So I studied music for more than 10 years. I did piano for more than five years. Then I stopped when I got into high school because, you know, the schedule in high school was complicated. So I stopped that. And then when I was in the last years of high school, I retook piano lessons, but at home, not in the program anymore, but with a teacher that came home because I feel so relaxed when I'm playing the piano. I was stressed and I would go to the piano and... um, I did that and I also was in every single sport that you can imagine I went to swim lessons at school I played volleyball I played basket I was in the choir oh <laughs> I my sang. God. yeah like and <laughs> and everything you asked me i I did it just oh, because you. my parents were so busy and they didn't want me to be or stay at home alone you know yeah and so when I came back at 7 pm or something i did my homework and went and went straight to sleep because I was so tired, you know. <laughs> I always joke with them and I tell them, hey, you didn't want me to be at home. But now I understand. And I actually appreciate the fact yeah. that they made me do all these things because now I can talk about anything. Right. <laughs> you can ask me about anything and I will tell you I, I did that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome and kind of a, a different experience from what I had. Not not too dissimilar, I guess, but uh, in principle different. I. I was the last of four... I am the last of four kids. I'm the youngest. And so my parents were pretty chill, if anything. (laughs) They didn't really enroll me in anything. They they were like... Do you want to do anything? You do it if you want you know, to. I if you I feel that I feel that's
1: something that happens with the last kid. In yes. my case, I have a sister and she did whatever she wanted with my parents. Like <laughs> if she didn't like piano lessons, she's like I'm not doing it anymore and they were like, "Okay, what do you want to do next?" For me, it wasn't like that. I was forced to do it. Like I was required to do it.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, us uh, younger kids yeah. have have the
1: privilege
0: privilege to really do whatever we want. (laughs) And it's it's a double-edged sword. You know, you can use your time efficiently or you you can just waste it. But, you know, Um, I took on uh, a million hobbies as well. Not as structured, but (laughs) (laughs) I did. And so I guess my question is with all of those hobbies, how hard was it transitioning from high school where you had the time to do all of these things and they... They were kind of like therapy and, and yeah. took your mind off of classes and things like that. To med school were, med school in Venezuela, I can tell that it's, it's pretty rigorous. It's, it's very rigorous, very busy, very um, uh, classical in the sense that there's a lot of lecture and then a lot of learning outside too. Yeah. Like, How did you feel when you didn't have those, <clears throat> those hobbies?
1: Well, you know I never stopped... Doing all of my hobbies. Like I, when I was in medical school, I had one lesson a week with my piano teacher. So okay. I did like throughout my whole career, I had this one class a week. And okay. so I maintained that. And regarding sports, well, I was not in the volleyball team or soccer team right. or swimming team anymore. But I kept doing exercise because I love exercising. I do it for like to keep balance. It helps me to keep my balance And uh, doing yoga throughout uh, medical school was amazing as well.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: So I found time for everything. I actually think that the more things you do, the more you learn how to manage your time.
0: That is actually true to a certain extent but uh, but true no no no. i will agree on that and maybe guys i think i i'm i bring in the the wrong guest into this podcast Ariana's like the type of person who does like absolutely everything and she's never tired she never looks tired she's always getting her stuff done <laughs> maybe i should bring someone who's more like immortal more having a harder time like everyone else <laughs>
1: and i never but- stop stop partying i'm a party animal i love partying and i have partied throughout my whole career and i still do it right now while i'm doing research i love partying i'm I'm a very happy person so yeah
0: that's amazing and i can attest to that Ariana (laughs) loves parties and she will make time for it and she will rearrange her schedule and get her stuff done for the parties and you know what it's amazing, and you have to be really honest with yourself. If you love partying and that's really what recharges your battery, yeah, do it. Do Make it. time for it.
1: Yeah. Wow. If it helps you keep your balance, definitely do it.
0: <laughs> for you, and I feel like this this really, once again, falls back into the personality topic um, of whether you're like a workaholic, you're like a balanced workaholic, you're like a scheduler. Yeah. Um, for you scheduling these things and making time for studying for partying for piano for sports did it come naturally or yeah. did you have to like
1: i swear change? it came naturally like oh i told God. you i felt like the more the, the more things i did the more time i had okay it stresses me not to have things to do like i'm i'm the kind of person that i need to have something to do so yeah. you know i always manage to put everything on my schedule and got things
0: done yeah no and if anything this brings this brings up an interesting topic I felt similarly during my research year I'm currently doing a research year at Baskin Pomeroy Institute as well and I feel like at the beginning especially when you're not familiar with research having like a couple of projects is super overwhelming yeah but then the more projects you have the more you can take on
1: yeah yeah you start learning
0: exactly how to like budget your time how to do these little things more efficiently and so if anything it's like med school is the time to really learn the principles of time management and how to manage your own time because residency from what I hear is going to get (laughs) get even harder
1: yeah I (laughs) know and I do have to say that in the beginning the first year of research it was hard I thought I was expecting more of a mentorship I thought I would have you know a mentor all the time because that's what you're used to when you're in medical school right And I came here and then they were, okay, do this Eliza. And I'm like, oh my God, I do me? huh? (laughs) I have to do the Eliza myself on my own? Yeah, like watch a video or do something and... They just throw you there. Right. You can't imagine how many Elizas I ruined before learning, <laughs> but I guess that's the normal that process. That is the way to do it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, very apropos for the the <laughs> title of this podcast, Sink or Swim. Yeah. Um, and that is, I mean, if, if anything, if anyone's listening and thinking of doing a research here, that's how it is. I think we all picture it like yeah. very structured, like medical yeah. school. A lot. It's of times. not. <laughs> it's very autonomous. Yeah. And so you can do a lot. But at most places, from what I've heard, it is very much, you know, sink or swim. You have to kind of take reins over your own yeah. projects and figure out how to get things done. Yeah. So, now, having done that year, or I guess let's talk about that first year that yeah. was the hardest. Yeah. During that first year, were you able to sque- still squeeze in, like, parties <laughs> and, and some, like, sports and, and activities that you enjoyed?
1: Yeah. Definitely, I, and I was even studying for step two. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was studying for step two. Oh, I, my God. I do have to say that I found step two more difficult than step one. Thank you. Yeah, but because I was doing research. I told you that when I was studying for step one, I was just studying. Right. However, when I was studying for step two, I had so many things to do here in the hospital, in the lab, that it was very hard for me to study for step two. But I manage, like, exercising for me is, like, it's part of my life. I don't, yeah. like, if I finish at 8, I, at 8 p.m., go to the gym, run at least 30 minutes, and that's it. But I, like, I try to keep on doing it yeah. regardless of how busy I am. And then the party part, I must say that I, like, stop a little bit. <laughs> I <laughs> decrease the level of partying. But, I mean, I would have my party every, right. like, every once in a while,
0: you know. And maybe... Another lesson here is decreasing it while you get your things straight and your yeah. life in order is not the end of it and is a good thing. Maybe, okay, let's decrease it. Let me get my life in order. Let me understand what my new schedule is about. And yeah. then I can I can reconnect Take. with all yeah. the, those, <laughs> those hobbies. And... uh yeah that's that's a good point also of exercising and making it essentially a part an integral part of your life there have to be i guess non-negotiables exactly and to be honest it may sound super superfluous Mm -hmm. but for me is watching movies um i enjoy watching movies i actually you know i relax i have time um for i I recharge my batteries yeah
1: i feel like you have to uh have an activity where you can stop thinking about medicine. Yes. That's the whole point. Yes. Either it's uh, watching movies or going for a run or whatever makes you happy. Yeah. You need that time.
0: Yes, I agree. And I think, yeah, that's actually probably one of the hardest things to do um during the first couple of years of medicine here in the States. Because, and and one thing I can just to quick make a quick like contrast comparison uh between medis- medical school outside the US and medical school in the US outside the US like in Venezuela for example I can tell you it is very academically rigorous yeah very acad- and very time consuming yeah but there aren't all of these like extracurricular requirements that you have to that you feel pressured to that you're like okay you have to do volunteering you have to do research you have to do you have to do leadership activities yeah. there, this this does not exist and yeah. this can add a lot to the stress um load and so during the first couple of years i think one of the biggest things to manage my stress was just finding activities that truly made me not think Think about it yeah yeah um okay now another big big topic during medicine is relationships okay relationships are difficult (laughs) because relationships take time yeah you know it's a two-way street too did you have a relationship during med school?
1: Yeah. So I got with my ex-boyfriend now <laughs> when I was in the fourth semester. So he was basically with me the whole career. Okay. I graduated and we still like we together. Okay. Uh, we were together for seven years and then I left him to come here to the U.S. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that was the end of that story. But Priorities. Man, yeah. Priorities. Right. Like you have to put yourself first. Yeah. It might sound, you know, a little bit uh, greedy, but Selfish. that's the yeah, truth. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's it's the, the
0: unvarnished truth. truth. Mm-hmm. Was this person in medicine as well? No,
1: not at all. I've never had a boyfriend that is related to healthcare at all.
0: Okay, did you feel like that, or it, still? Because um, so I don't know if you want to just close, but Ariana's in a, in a relationship yeah. right now as and well, and he's
1: not a doctor either. <laughs> exactly.
0: So, <laughs> do you feel like it helps? That this person's not in in healthcare, or do you feel like it? You know, it I've, makes it worse? I've
1: seen both scenarios at home. My parents, both doctors, and they got like they get along so well. Right, and that's that works for them. Uh, for me, I don't know. I haven't just met anyone <laughs> that yeah. I like. I don't know, uh, but yeah. I feel like yeah, I'd like to have time and. Talk about things that are different from medicine, right. and if you have, if is, if your uh, maid is in the healthcare industry, that's all you're gonna be talking about. So I that's think I true. prefer to keep it like this. That but I've true. seen both worlds, and I mean it depends on every person. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, same here. I'm, uh, I'm married. I'm in a in a long uh, relationship now, and uh, my spouse is also not in healthcare, and I think. It's so hard to say when I actually have never been with someone in healthcare, but I feel like being in healthcare, yeah, I, I'm the type that like loves medicine and I love talking about medicine and so I think it would suck me into that circle yeah. of always talking much. about medicine yeah, yeah. and it would probably be bad. Like
1: when you go and you like get together with your medical school friends and yes. you invite your spouse, I guess that's horrible, it's horrible. because... He hates going. I know. He All we it. talk about is medicine, yeah. medicine, medicine, <laughs> medicine. Yes. The cases, what we saw in the hospital, oh my God, I saw this, I saw that and they get bored.
0: I know. <laughs>
1: so... If that was the case, like, you, if you're in a relationship with someone in the healthcare system, that's all you're going to be talking about (laughs) all day. Unless
0: you have a really strong will and you really set some boundaries, it's 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 very difficult. It's hard. (laughs) On the flip side, I feel like in medicine, medicine is so different from all the other industries and, like, you know, education paths. Um, And my friends who are not in medicine... Like recently, I was telling one of my best friends who's not in medicine about like interviews, and uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I have this interview from like twelve to six, and she was like, it's six hours long. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty much what yeah, org, all everyone, of them are. Everyone,
1: everyone gets impressed.
0: And everyone's like, why does medicine always have <laughs> to go so hardcore and take up like all of your time, space and energy? And I was like, I, I guess that's true. I
1: know.
0: Medicine is so different from all the other industries that it's difficult to understand that. that yeah. And uh I think that has been my biggest challenge yeah. because sometimes it's just like, okay, how do I convey that this is important? Yeah. And I Perhaps don't want it to be this way, but that's the way it is, and I just have to go with it, which sucks. But then on the flip side, I do enjoy the fact that like I don't think about medicine when I'm out exactly with my husband exactly. Um, and then my last question, and because I love your dog, (laughs) pets in med school. I think we have slightly different experiences, so I want to share. Um, I want to want to hear yours. Um, when did you get Vito? How has it been?
1: Okay, so Vito is my baby. Yes. He's an Italian greyhound. He's the, the sweetest soul ever. And I got him when I was in, I think, the ninth semester.
0: Okay, during med school.
1: Yeah, during med school, I was still living with my parents, so that okay. helped when he was a puppy. You know, right. <laughs> he right. had people at home <laughs> that could take care of him. I know it's hard it's if you very get a, hard. if you get a pet and you're really busy at medical school. It can Be hard, especially if if it's a puppy, because they're puppies. Uh, But I would take Vito with me to classes.
0: Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, no, you didn't. I
1: did. I would take Vito with me. I would like because my parents were also working um, in the afternoons. If I had a class that was you know like chill class, I would bring his little bed and put it underneath my table. (laughs) I even took him to uh, clinics. at the end of the career when I was in the last year of my career there we had to go to this like rural ambulatory and I felt bad of leaving him the whole day alone at home because my parents were working and I asked my internal medicine teacher hey can I bring my dog (laughs) and she was a dog lover so she was like yes and actually he ended up being like the you know, the emotional support <laughs> pad in the clinic. I love that. That's it probably
0: was, why he's so sweet.
1: Yeah, he's the oh. sweetest. And, well, after I moved to the U.S., um, actually, my ex-boyfriend brought it to me. Because, yeah, when I moved, I didn't know where I was going to leave. So, you know, I had to make arrangements be- right. before bring him him to here, to the U.S. I had to make sure that the place I was going to rent allowed pets, whatever. Right, it's really hard. So I, you know, I did all that. And then my ex-boyfriend did this last good thing for me, which I (laughs) will forever forever be grateful for. And he brought him to the U.S. And he's been here with me ever since. And then when I was studying for Step 1 with Kaplan Medical, I brought Vito with me. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, so he's basically, he's a doctor already. He's trained. Oh my god. Uh Oh my god. And so I took him with me to Kaplan and he, as I told you, he's a doctor already. Like he took, (laughs) he took steps with me.
0: (laughs) So Vito can help, uh, can help someone stay, uh, step, study for step one if anyone needs help. Yeah. (laughs) He has gone through all of the Kaplan courses. You don't have to pay for them. He knows it. (laughs) Yeah. How
1: about Clara? What's your story with Clara?
0: So Clara my sweet baby she is a uh, one-year-old dachshund a long-haired dachshund she's the cutest thing on earth yeah but she was definitely a troublemaker when she was a puppy (laughs) so I could definitely not take her to classes or (laughs) clinic or anything like that and so I think one of the reasons is I had a I had a dog when I was uh growing up in Venezuela okay. and uh, I left him with my parents when I came and so I always had that ick of like I want a dog, I want a dog, I want a dog. College was like not the best time. Yeah,
1: not definitely, definitely not not the best time.
0: <laughs> um then after college I was working and I was kind of like getting my stuff together. I was moving a lot and so also not the best time. Yeah. And then at the beginning of medical school, everyone was like, oh, don't get a doctor in medical school. It's so hard. And so I listened. I shouldn't have listened. but I <laughs> listened. And then during my research here, I was like, okay, I'll get it during my research year. I'll have time. Also wrong. <laughs> um. But if anything, this is proof of what Ariana was saying earlier of like the more you have to do, the more, you know, the better you get at doing it. Yeah. So... She was definitely very difficult at the beginning because they require a lot of time.
1: Yeah, and they have a lot of energy. They have so much energy.
0: <laughs> I was even even with the help because um, my husband works from home. Even with that help, it was really difficult yeah. because dogs do require a lot of a lot of time and a lot of your energy, yeah. walking them, playing with them, and so. Um. Now, after years, when I'm getting to the point of like, um, basically feeling like she is a support and 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 really helpful and uh, i love getting home and seeing her and, and it's i would love to have done this earlier so that i would get this kind of support during the hardest times of medical school but yeah basically now i'm i'm really happy that i that i got her because I mean, it's just getting home and feeling that happiness. In and the that, end, uh, it's the
1: best decision. Like, I would recommend if you can yes. have a dog, they're your best friend, like your support team. Yes. Whenever you come back super tired or sad or angry, they're always waiting for you, yep. happy. You know, it's impossible to be angry with yes. when they're around, so...
0: Yep. The only caveats are make sure, you know, the first year is going to be a little tougher. Yeah. And make sure you have some support around you. Like if you can't walk the dog, maybe have someone, you know, who can quickly come in and, and, and yeah. give you that help. But it's but, worth it. It's worth, it's worth it. it.
1: Everything
0: is worth it. 100%. All right. So this is the end of this part with Ariana. Thank you so, so, so much for giving us your insights into your no, crazy thank good you. time management.
1: Thank you for having me
0: and uh let's see the next episode who we bring on board (laughs) bye bye
1: bye
0: okay guys we are in this second part of the episode about the beauty and challenges of having a life during medical school and beyond this is piero again your podcast host for today and my second guest is Sofia de Arribunaga. I don't think I can even pretend to try to say that in, in English. But uh, just a quick, super brief intro. Sofia is an international medical graduate from Mexico, and she is currently at Bascom Palmer doing a research here with a giant in ophthalmology, Dr. Carol Karp. And uh, so I'm going to give the floor to you, Sofia.
3: Hi. <laughs> What do you want me
0: to say? Just introduce yourself okay and um, um, yeah just basically where you're coming from how you got here
3: okay so like Piero said, um, I'm originally from Mexico City. I went to medical school back home and then once I finished medicine, I had always had a sort of a curiosity for public health and I wanted to pursue that and I knew that if I went straight into residency, I probably wouldn't take the time down the line to give like dedicated time to studying it so basically once I graduated medical school I moved to the US and I pursued a master's in public health um, with a specific focus in global health so that was a very great year Um, it really just amplified the way I think of medicine and population health at large and it was an incredible experience and once I graduated, so I was the class of COVID. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I was literally <laughs> studying public health when the pandemic began. So all of my professors became celebrities overnight and were on CNN. <laughs> um, so anyway, once I graduated, I basically started getting more involved with clinical research. And I mean, I, I can keep it brief because I know we'll talk more. But essentially, yeah, I worked at... Uh, Massachusetts Ioneer doing glaucoma and cornea research, and I've recently moved to Miami, where I'm doing more cornea research. Yes. Um, and I'm going to be applying to the ophthalmology match next cycle.
0: Yeah. So she's being like super uh, modest and humble, but basically her um, MPH was from Harvard, and uh, I don't know for those of you who are not familiar with ophthalmology. Uh, lingo and and uh, hospitals. Uh, Massachusetts Eye and Ear Infirmary is um, Harvard's um, <laughs> eye hospital. So she is she's killing it basically, and she's applying to ophthalmology next year. I think something that you will find that will contrast knowing Sophia and knowing Ariana, who was in our uh, was our previous guest, you'll find some contrasting uh, themes. Sophia and Ariana are both just like killing it and and great at what they do but Sophia if anything more like me is a bit of a workaholic mm-hmm. and uh we tend to get sucked up by work and uh maybe not prioritize a lot of our social uh, life <laughs> as much as ariana ariana is like great at balancing everything yeah, and she so, really is so now i guess what was your let's start with your your path to medicine um we mentioned briefly before how in in pretty much everywhere outside the US and Canada, you get to medicine straight from high school. And right. so it's a bit of a, uh, a shorter time to decide, but mm-hmm. how did you know that you wanted to pursue medicine?
3: Um, so I wasn't one of those people that sort of like knew from, like straight from childhood, not at all. If anything, I thought, let's see. Yeah, starting high school, I thought I was gonna either be a lawyer or a writer. I can definitely
0: see you as a lawyer. (laughs) I can totally see you as a lawyer. So that
3: was, yeah, that was going to be my path (laughs) for some point. And then also was very interested in literature and like Spanish literature. So maybe that, but I was pretty confused. But anyway, lawyer seemed like the option. And then in my junior year of high school, uh, my mom had breast cancer. So that was, yeah, a very intense whirlwind experience. She's good. Um, she's very healthy Um, yeah so yeah that Mm -hmm. ended well Um, but yeah I mean essentially we're just sucked into this like roller coaster of talking to doctors a lot and then quite a few surgeries so I spent a lot of time in hospitals and I I had had an inkling before that um, and like some curiosity but that definitely really set it off and triggered that so then Essentially, I mean, that was like very close to this is like, yeah, yeah, like like going into senior year. Right. So I essentially reached out to every doctor I knew, like my personal ophthalmologist, um, my mom's doctors, every doctor I could get a hold of and was just like, can I shadow you? Just tell me what your life is (laughs) because I have to make a quick decision. Um, And then I applied to medical school but um, the school that I really wanted to go to started like right after, sem- like I would have had something like two weeks between graduating high school and oh starting medical God. school. Um, and I was like, okay, that seems a bit rough. So <laughs> <For> I, <sure. laughs> I took a gap year between high school and medical school um, which I would, I guess, highly recommend to take one between college and medical school here. Although it seems like people here are very intense with those i just traveled for a year and did some volunteer work so nothing medically related um but anyway so yeah i was gone for a year and then started med school six years of that and then what i was talking about before so that was my path
0: okay so also very different and, and more i guess similar to mine than and very different than ariana's because ariana's uh, parents and grandparents are physicians, and so she uh, she well, essentially yeah. knew from, you know, very early on. I'm you know. the
3: first doctor in my family.
0: Same. Same here. Yay. Hey. Um, okay, so let's get to the beginning of the nitty-gritty of this episode, which is hobbies and basically life outside of medicine. We know that medicine can be super, like, you know, all-encompassing and just, like, suck up your life if you let it. But it's it's good to have a work life balance so that you can be um, basically come back more recharged mm-hmm. um, for your your medical school activities. So, what were some of the hobbies? Did you have a profession or some of the did you play a sport before medical school?
3: So before medical school, I was dancing a lot. Um, I used to dance flamenco. I was teaching it, and I was practicing it and I was part of like a group we would get hired to dance at places so I was doing that pretty seriously before medical school Um, and other than that I I guess that was like my main thing Um, apart from like other more normal hobbies of just like I've always loved reading I've always written a lot so writing like creative writing on the side um, but yeah, that was my main thing right before going into medical school.
0: That's awesome. I have a cousin who actually used to, um, dance flamenco as well. And, uh, I used to go to her, um, her showings and yeah. her recitals and it was so, it's so pretty. It's and, very pretty. Uh, it, it takes so much practice, but it is beautiful. Now I know that takes a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. So on that vein, did you, tri- did you bring that, um, to medical school? Did you use that as a hobby during medical school or? Did you just, did you not have the time?
3: So sadly with dancing, I did have to stop just because it was a very serious group. So I had to, it was like multiple nights a week. Um, My med school schedule was pretty crazy. Essentially the way it works back home is you go to, so for any given rotation, you go to that hospital in the morning. So let's say like seven to one, and then you have a lunch break. And then i would go to school and i had classes from like 2 to 8 p.m
0: jesus lord yeah so oh my God.
3: there was no way i could keep up with like the the practice so that dancing crew i did have to stop i stopped teaching obviously because that was in like middle of, i mean i i taught babies so
0: okay. obviously was,
3: <laughs> i couldn't be there at that at those hours so i stopped that um which was sad at first and it was definitely tough but it, it just. It was in the decision was sort of made for me just because it was quite literally impossible to fit in in with my med school schedule. But I picked up other things. Um, So I started doing a lot of indoor cycling um, and, yeah, I guess worked out in other ways and, and found other things that could fit in my schedule.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's where I was going to go of you gave this up because you know it was really impossible yeah. scheduling wise but you value some sort of life outside of medicine and some sort of, sure. of hobby that can allow you to not think about medicine yeah. and so you found other hobbies and and you know i i if anything i think the goal of talking about this is to show that there is no correct way some people need more hours uh, outside of medicine some people need fewer but I think it is being it's about being honest with yourself about how many hours you need and how Mm -hmm. much time and how many activities you need um, outside of medicine so you can actually get your things done
3: right and I think it's to what you were saying um, about knowing yourself I think that's huge because you need to know what fuels you and for me that's people that will always be people like I'm not I like I like working out in the sense that it brings me health and sure yes. like emotional stability, <laughs> but I know that people are a hundred percent my oxygen. So that's something that I made sure um, I prioritized throughout. And I think one thing that's important around that is having strong friendships outside of my med school friendships was always really grounding. Um, it can be complicated in its own yes. ways, in how I don't know. You just came back from like a very intense day at the hospital and saw some like really just awful things. Yes. Um. And you're carrying a lot. And maybe if you go to your non-med school friends, I don't <laughs> yep. may, Some talks may like I don't know. You're just you you you're coming into it with a very heavy mindset. So there's some adjusting around that. But I do think that. Um, having friends like keeping your friendships outside of med school is really grounding and just gives you perspective. It reminds you there there's a whole world outside. You hear about other people's <laughs> jobs and other other ways to do life. And then that being said, obviously my med school friends. I mean, I don't think I could have gone through med school without them. Like, yes, I think it's yeah. They were just my my ride or dies throughout the whole thing. Um, but yeah, so in what you were saying, like knowing you. And knowing what fuels you and for me that's always been people so making yeah. sure I got people time
0: that's important that's huge actually and I think we have a similar experience in, in that sense because we both did medical school at a place or a city where we both had a life mm-hmm. previously right. so I'm in uh, Miami in the Miami area and so I had been living in Miami for a few years before I started started medical school and so I had friends here I had a life I have you know, a relationship. Right, I
3: guess that's different here where people usually move for med school.
0: Right, but it is so important. If anything, it shows how important it is mm-hmm. to keep those connections alive. I think it gives you a balance because, you know, inevitably, whenever you're with your fa- your med school friends, you're going to talk about medicine-related things mm-hmm. or med school or residency or, you know, what's that next test that you're going to take that you're all scared of. and um, And you do need... A little bit of an escape from that world yeah um and also <laughs> i i find it quite sobering to talk to a lot of my friends who are not in medicine and just you know they ask they, they're very they're genuinely curious about my life in medicine and so they ask a lot of questions and it's so interesting when they are like that is insane that makes no sense awful yeah yeah yeah. it just shows you how like intense medicine can be
3: right and And i think uh, that helps with not normalizing certain things yes i mean i know that a lot of things we don't have a choice in obviously like you're not you're assigned a call schedule and that's just (laughs) it period but it does help to talk to people for whom that is so foreign that it's just like they're shocked i mean it's like the one of the Glaucum flecking where he like explains what a golden weekend is oh my God, yes. to someone outside That's of med school and they're one. like so what well, weekend like and the, and <laughs> yeah i mean the fact that we're like we never get a weekend um but yeah anyway so friends in med in med school and outside of med school
0: yeah and uh yeah quick uh reference to something i said in the previous um uh, part is so i have i was talking to one of my best friends who's not in medicine about uh interviews and i was like yeah i have this interview from like 12 to 6 and she was (laughs) like why does medicine have to make everything so intense? Why is it six hours? Like, you really don't have to. Your step
3: two being nine hours. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Sophia is currently studying oh, yeah. for steps
3: two. <laughs> you can tell it's top of mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, this actually is a perfect segue for, I guess, studying for step and for step one, step two, step three, which are tests that pretty much require most of your time, most of your day. But you still need to be, like, on your A-game. And yeah. so one thing I found when making my schedule is... So I love watching movies and watching shows. Is I had to, regardless of how many hours I studied, continue watching my shows. Mm-hmm. That really was what got me through the day. And what helped me wake up the next day and say, okay, I'm going to do these U-world blocks. Sure. What have you done to really keep your yourself recharged?
3: Um, I mean honestly same like pretty similar I am in the last few days of my dedicated (laughs) uh, study time and yeah I mean you can't study for I don't know
0: I don't know how many weeks
3: and 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 also like hours of a day right so I think I mean just I guess I keep it consistent I have made sure that I talk to someone like talk to friends (laughs) um And even in that, I've noticed the balance of, like, talking to Piero, who, like, has been through this and, like, (laughs) can commiserate with me, but then also talking to um, friends outside of medicine and just me telling them the fact that I'm studying for a nine-hour test and them (laughs) being mad at the world for me. But, yeah, so I guess staying active, making sure you take care of yourself, eat well, sleep, and, yeah, friends and... Yeah, I, I also watched White Lotus. Yes, I've also I'm so obsessed. yeah, things that help me like turn my brain off, um, or reading a book. Or, but honestly, I find my I found myself not reading as much. I think oh yeah. you, you can't read for sure. Or I can't read so
0: no yeah. no no. TV um, has been better. Yep, and uh, for sure. And I guess for those of you um, preparing for residency interviews or about to go into it, they will ask you like, oh, what's the last book you read for like for fun. And you know, it should was have something really, top of mind. Yeah, just have uh, have an answer ready, even if it was a book that you read a long time ago. But it just goes to show, like I actually used to enjoy reading a lot, yeah. and I haven't done it in a while. But um, yeah, that puts a lot a lot of things into perspective. Um, I think this is a good segue also to talk about. Relationships and uh, having a partner during these, these really difficult times of training. Mm-hmm. And one thing Ariana and I were talking about is having someone who is in medicine versus someone who's outside of medicine. Mm-hmm. We both have only had partners who are outside of, of medicine. I've never had someone who, mm-hmm. who's in medicine. And so I would love to get your take on and whether you have had a partner in medicine or not and, and your take on how that is, how that works out.
3: Um, so all throughout medical school, my partner was not in medicine. Um, he was in finance. He was, he also had crazy hours from just like yep. investment banking and stuff. Yep. Um, so I think that worked for us in a way too, cause like he was also stuck at work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean to, in the same way that sort of extrapolating the friendship experience, I think, uh, in many ways, a partner can can be the same, right? Of like providing, yep. I mean, uh, outside everything that a partner does, but like this sort of link to the quote-unquote real world or outside world, yep. outside of medicine. And my current partner um, is a resident. Um, he's a second-year resident. So that has been... I now see why a lot of doctors end up with doctors. I, okay. I, I do. I do see... I think there's just... Um, I mean, you speak the same language in many things. Um, There's less explaining around everything, right? Just like the lingo, the schedule, the processes, the everything. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I do see like the ups ups to it in that sense. Um, But then obviously the downsides of dating a resident, right? Like he has like strings of nights where... I just don't see him at all because then I'm at work and he sleeps during the day, and <laughs> so it obviously comes with its own um, difficulties and sort of like just schedules to wrangle and stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know what what else do you want me to say yeah. about that?
0: I think one of the things that Adriana and I were talking about is because Adriana saw this at home, both of her mm. parents being doctors and actually sharing a lot of patients, mm. was they talk about medicine all the time
3: right so that's something that i've surprisingly not encountered at all really like when we first started dating um and we knew we were both doctors and it just i mean i guess we were also getting to know each other but like yeah we were both surprised at how little it came up and even now um i mean obviously if he like he has an interesting case or like something right. it'll come up and just like how was your day um, but I I do like that a lot about my relationship that it's not like centered around I think we're both people that like really pride ourselves on like having an identity outside of medicine That's so um, important. and just not letting that become like I don't know your whole personality so we yeah it hasn't really like invaded that which that's amazing so, so, yeah so i think it's because i i did see, i have a lot of like friends during med school that dated other people in my class and i was like jesus like you're just talking about that yeah so uh, yeah. i haven't found that to be the case and maybe it helps that we're Sort of in different like stages of the process. True. I don't know.
0: Maybe different specialties. Different specialties. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's true. And it's also
3: fine if you want to talk to your partner. Right. It's if normal you want to talk and about expected. Medicine. Yeah. But it just hasn't been my experience.
0: Right. As much. Some of the time. And and the thing is. I think we were talking about it because I love talking about medicine mm. and just like, you know, in general, just discussing topics related to medicine and, and it doesn't even have to be like pathophysiology. Right. You know, it can be like, okay, how messed up the pro- the residency application right, process right. is. And someone who understands it so well, yeah. you know, you'll, you'll just connect to and talk for hours on. And and I don't know that I would love to do that so often. Right. Um, I mean, it's not like I have avoided partners in medicine i Mm -hmm. just happen to i just have never had one but um but i think one thing that i enjoy um about my relationship is basically there's no medicine at home right but it's so it's so good that you are able to do that even when you're both in medicine right it it goes to show that you do have a personality you do have a life outside of medicine and it's not all of your identity although Mm -hmm. it's something you love and so i think that's uh, we have that new perspective and I love that. That's, that's so interesting. I'll <laughs> definitely, I think this is probably one of those topics that I want to touch on with everyone that comes on, on the podcast, because yeah. it is, um, it's a huge debate. Some people are like, no, 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 you definitely have to be with someone in medicine. Yeah. Otherwise they'll never understand. And they're just going to get tired of the crazy concepts, crazy times and hours and everything. And some people are just like, no, you're going to get too sucked into medicine. Mm-hmm. So,
3: yeah, I think there's, it's probably different for everyone. And I think we get a little caught up in, like, there are other people out there with crazy
0: schedules. and. Yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. All right. So, I think that is the end of our podcast today of our not our podcast actually jk of our mini section on (laughs) sophia um we have a few more guests for this episode on the challenges and beauty of a life outside of medicine and an identity outside of medicine i love that you mentioned that i'm going to talk about that now um thank you so much sophia and thank you everyone for listening
3: thanks for having me
0: tune in for the next one bye hello everyone we are back And the next guest is someone that you all probably know already. It's Arlia, who is currently an M3, correct? Yes. Yes. An M3 um, at NSUMD with us, and I believe is pursuing ophthalmology. Well, I don't believe, I know. It's pursuing ophthalmology residency. So um, I've known Arlia for a bit because of the ophthalmology connection. And uh, and she's amazing. Has a super calm demeanor, um, and so that's my introduction to you, Arlia. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. Hi, Piero. Thank you for having me. I am, like Piero said, a third-year med student at NSU MD. I'm from West Palm Beach, and. I went to UF for undergrad. Then I did a master's in nutrition at Columbia in New York, and then I worked as an ophthalmic technician for a year, and then got into NSUMD and came back to South Florida.
0: Nice, nice. Okay, so you do have that um, that background in uh, in ophthalmology um, mm-hmm. in your work experience in there. That's nice. Um, I think we have talked about that before, but I really never explored it too much, so maybe this is the time. (laughs) So first, let's start at the beginning. So what what was your path to, to medicine? How did you know you wanted to do medicine? When did you know?
2: Sure, so it all goes back to college when I studied abroad in Germany. We volunteered with children at a refugee camp and we kind of noticed that their nutrition and um, their lack of education at the time was impacting their health. And so that kind of led me to shadowing and volunteering more in healthcare, um, also led me to do a master's in nutrition. So um, that kind of um, got the ball rolling for medicine for me.
0: Nice. Wow, that sounds like a a pretty impactful experience. Oh yeah. All of that, just uh, studying abroad in Germany sounds super interesting. And then also volunteering at a refugee camp just sounds very um, emotionally grounding and, uh, and impactful. For sure. All right. So I'm gonna ask you a little bit about your work experience. You mentioned that you worked as an ophthalmic technician before coming to NSUMD? Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
2: Sure. So I was looking for any kind of medical related job to get some clinical experience and make sure medicine is what I wanted to pursue. And I didn't hear back from many offices or um, jobs that I applied to. So I printed out my resume and just walked into the office and the doctor was like, Did we schedule a meeting? And I was like, No, but I saw your job posting. And he was like, Okay, well, let's talk. And he talked to his staff and looked at my resume and interviewed me. And then the next day, I got the job. So that was super exciting. And it was um, a, like a five minute walk from my apartment. So it was great. Um, and so then he trained me on the job and we did dilation, we use a tono pen to get pressures. Um, We did OCTs and I slowly learned how to refract and write glasses prescriptions. So um, I learned a lot and I also scribed for him. So I learned about some common pathologies and uh, it was a really great enriching experience that definitely uh, made me really interested in ophthalmology.
0: That's awesome. Oh my God. That's going, now that I hear more about it, it's going to be super useful for your rotations to already have that, that bit of background, just to give a little bit of background. um, When I decided to do ophthalmology or to pursue ophthalmology, I had zero background. And so I was like lost during my first rotation. I was like, what's a tonal pen? What's pressure? Um, So I'm sure you're going to be a rock star during your your rotations and uh, we can talk more about that later.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks. And, I'm definitely going to have to brush up. It's been a couple of years, but that's great that you um, learned everything that you know in medical school. That's a totally different experience that can be appreciated.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. And you mentioned that your job was five a five minute walk away. So I'm guessing that was in New York. Yes. We don't, we don't do walking in Miami.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One reason why I really miss New York. I love just being able to walk, um, pick up a coffee and go to work in the morning.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And that's, I think that's not, I don't think I know that's the reason why I live, I live on the beach, Um, Mm -hmm. South beach. I think, you know, out of Miami, maybe Brickell's becoming a bit more walkable, Mm -hmm. but I think, out of all the the main like Miami neighborhoods the beach is probably the most walkable
2: yeah yeah there's tons of stuff around there that's a great location to be
0: exactly exactly okay so now with this work experience coming into medical school so you had already had like kind of a real um, real life job or you had some real life experience What are what are some of the the hobbies and and other activities that you enjoyed or professions that you had before? Or even did you play any sports professionally before coming into medical school?
2: Mm -hmm. So it actually also goes back to Germany. We um, didn't have a very wide selection of cuisines. Um, I mean, I love German food, but also got pretty homesick for um, like Sri Lankan and Trinidad food. And so my roommate and I started cooking. And then I continued doing that when I came back from my last semester of college. And um, growing up, my mom always was such a chef, um, but I didn't really start cooking until college. And I moved to New York and then got so much exposure to so many different cuisines and ingredients and farmers markets. Um, that was a huge impact on me. And um, I just continued cooking and then came to med school, um, posted on my stories. And then recently, my friends and I were like, you should make a cooking Instagram. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I just do that as like a hobby. Um, I don't have like a ton of followers or anything. But um, every time that I cook, I'll post it like as a picture or a story and then people will ask for the recipe and kind of engage so that's been really fun
0: okay let's give you a shout out what's the what's the app (laughs) app?
2: yeah it's at arlia cooks a-r-a-l-i-y-a c-o-o-k-s
0: nice okay i'm following you now and this looks amazing actually oh my god okay love it because (laughs) we share this passion i'm also um super super into cooking i think oh really similarly growing up in an italian family um cooking was pretty much like a like a bonding activity with all my family and my grandma used to cook for all of us usually or my mom during like birthdays and things like that mm-hmm. and uh and always you know cooking with her and like her teaching us how to shape the the pasta was was kind of a bonding oh, experience. So
2: fun. And then you get like amazing pasta after.
0: So pasta is like my main thing. And so I I probably that's that's the main hobby that I really tried to bring into medical school. Um that is basically like therapy to me. So
2: you know, pasta is hard to make too. I may mean, I tried it once and I was like wow this is harder than it looks.
0: Why? Okay, tell me, tell me. Let's <laughs> troubleshoot it now. I love pasta making, and it is actually a tough uh, dough to deal with, I will say. It's not your typical dough.
2: It was the dough, I think, when we cooked it, it was too wet. I was like, why is this like very sticky? And then it was also too thick. I didn't have like a pasta roller. So we tried to hand roll it, and it was way too thick and yeah. just like not great right texture. Hmm.
0: Okay. So probably the the stickiness or the wetness after cooking is probably because the the dough itself was too wet. So I think that's probably the hardest part about making pasta. Um, not us derailing the conversation here to talk about pasta, but love it. Um, the, the dough is like a really dry dough. Okay. I think if you're used to making like bread or, or things, other flour-based doughs, you're going to be like what is this it's like a rock um and so that's it's supposed to be like extremely dry um okay. and uh but we'll we'll make pasta some other time and and uh and we can you know go yeah. through like, at least the steps that i follow um
2: yeah i love it. to learn
0: and uh and yeah i mean shaping it with the the rolling pin is really hard yeah <laughs> Me too. Uh, i I use a rolling pin. Actually, I don't. I don't like the pasta machine. I use a rolling pin and okay. a in a wooden board. But it's it's like a pasta rolling pin. So it's like four feet long and on a board. And so it gives you like more of a pressure, uh, like ability to put a lot of pressure on the dough. Yeah. Whereas like the smaller rolling pins, it's really hard.
2: Yeah, don't have the arm strength there.
0: <laughs> it's so. That's funny that you mentioned that. Um, (laughs) So when they teach you like when my grandma taught me she was like it's not about the arms it's about your body weight. You have to like just like lean into it and put all of your body weight into it. Um, Um,
2: Gotcha.
0: Yeah yeah but it's it's funny. Yeah
2: I'll have to try Um,
0: again. So with this hobby that we have in common that is very time consuming, as as we both know. it can be super time consuming. Um, it can get messy and uh, you know it it is it does make you happy, but it's very time consuming. How did you bring that into into medical school into uh, busy life? Was it easy? Was it hard?
2: Yeah, so it's kind of a mix. It depends it depends on what level of cooking I'm going to do. So, if I wanna make like a big elaborate meal, like if I'm looking up a New York Times recipe and it needs to like simmer all these techniques, I'll I'll plan that. Like I'll get the groceries a couple of days or a day before, um, maybe do it like on a Saturday or Sunday and carve out like half the day for it. Um, and then, you know, of course, I think you kind of um, like mentioned it briefly about the post cooking the cleanup, that you have to factor that in too. Um, So that'll take, you know, almost half of a full day. Um, But I also like to cook as a way to relieve stress. Uh, It's like my creative outlet. And so I don't always plan it. So I like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I was just feeling really stressed out. I had all this work to do. And I was like, I can't look at it anymore. And I ran to the grocery and got ingredients for um, like pasta, all vodka. And nice. I, I was like, this is not like too involved. It's pretty pretty simple. And so it took like maybe two hours, um, which it can be a lot, but if you're really stressed out, I need to relax. I think two hours is fair. Um, so I made that and- that like contributes to my hobby and, um, help me relieve some stress. And sometimes, um, sometimes I really crave chocolate and I'll just be like, you know what, I need to make chocolate cookies right now. I need to get it right now. And so I'll just, that, that won't take too long either. Um, so it, it, it depends on like what I'm feeling to make or the mood I'm in. So, um, yeah, it's like a mix of doing it right now versus planning.
0: Nice. Nice. And yeah, you bring, you bring a really important point that a lot of times we don't, we feel like we don't have the time and uh, we're so busy and no, I just don't have time to cook, but you're, you're also not being very efficient and, uh, and productive. And if you just take a little bit of time to kind of recharge, get your mind off things and do something that makes you feel better, you can actually come back and finish the work much better, much feeling much better and much faster. Yeah, um, It sounds like cooking is that for you. And it it is for me too. I also found that. So I guess in in tandem, I also love having people over. I love having my friends over um, at my house and, and just playing like board games, watching movies, chatting And, uh, and basically, you know, during med school, your time is super limited. And so I didn't have time to like, bring that bring people over and cook. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like cooking also has allowed me to host a lot. So I'm the I'm the Thanksgiving person now for all of my friends. Um, Have you found that
2: too? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, We had a Friendsgiving. And I kind of got carried away. I made like three different things, but it's like also fun for me. So, um, and I I love hosting too, like decorating the place and putting candles and flowers everywhere. So yeah, I agree, like hosting cooking go hand in hand.
0: Nice, nice. And now I guess uh, was bringing cooking into medical school and finding the time Did you find it to be a pretty natural process or did you reach a point where you said, okay, I'm not cooking as much as I would like to. Let me see where I can carve out this time.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me, it was pretty natural because I, I did it throughout my master's in college. I was already kind of used to having other responsibilities. And then plus it also is semi productive. Like you need food, so I just kind of take it to the next level of making it more elaborate than it needs to be. But I don't think that um, it was it was really tough to incorporate it during med school. I I have to say I don't do as many elaborate dishes as I did before med school. So I think that that, that did have to be a little bit of a sacrifice. Um, but I do do it enough that I don't feel like I'm depriving myself.
0: Okay, gotcha. And I guess this is, I I don't even know the answer for me because I feel like it's kind of been too long, but which year in med school have you felt like has limited you the most in terms Mm -hmm. of finding the time to cook whatever you want?
2: Really good question. I would have to say... I would have to say first year probably Probably. the adjustment adjusting to med school was really really hard for me it was like I I thought I couldn't continue like it was so bad um so I definitely did not really cook much first year if anything maybe I like baked something really quick um luckily my parents are nearby so they would bring food for me sometimes um But I think as I progressed through med school and learned how to study, kind of get into the flow, then I was like, okay, I can, I have more time than I think I did originally.
0: Nice, nice. And yeah, I think I have to agree. I first year is just such a, such a period of discovering what med school is and how, you know, (laughs) basically encompassing how it can encompass your entire life and just take over all of your time if you let it yes
3: um
0: and just and basically figuring out how to manage that and how to figure out uh, a way to bring back your hobbies and the things that make you happy without sacrificing your time um studying
2: yeah
0: yeah Mm -hmm. and uh another Topic that I've been asking a lot of people, which has to do with just you know our life um, outside of medicine, is relationships. I think uh, it's a common theme to have you know, or I mean, it's a, it's common to have relationships during medical school, but it's it's a common question that comes up a lot um, among my friends of like, would you want to date someone in medicine? or outside of medicine. And there's always pros and cons. And I've been asking some people um, what their take is and uh, based on their relationships. And for example, I have never had a relationship with anyone in medicine, mm-hmm. but uh, but I've talked to a couple of people who have. And so would love to get your thoughts.
2: Yeah, that's such a wide topic, but <laughs> very interesting. I have um explored both in medicine and not in medicine. I don't really discriminate or like not discriminate, but like kind of I don't have that preference of like gotcha. in or not in medicine. Um I mean I've given both a chance and so far I at this point haven't met the right person, but I'm, you know, I'm on the abs and people I ask people on days and people ask me and um, nothing has really come to anything but I I'm open to both.
0: Gotcha and do you feel like you're the type of person who would um, if you had someone in medicine who would talk about medicine all the time or do you think you would be able to to put a stop to that and say okay like I'm outside of work let's have different conversations. I have an identity outside of medicine. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Good question. Um, cause I've noticed that some people have these friendships in medicine and I look at it from an outside perspective and I'm like, Hmm, would these two people be friends if they weren't in medicine? Ooh. And I think it's definitely like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like having friendships based on medicine, but I do have, for me, I, I think I have like such a robust life outside of medicine and I have so many different hobbies and I like traveling and all of that, that I would want my partner to also share those similarities versus medicine, which I see as part of my life and not my whole life.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I think we're pretty, pretty aligned there. And, uh, but like you said, I have seen, I've seen both sides. I've seen, or all of the, I, I guess all of the sides I've seen people who have, well, I have a partner outside of medicine. I've seen people who have a uh, partner in medicine and talk about medicine all the time. And um, the the guest that came on just before you, um, Sophia, her boyfriend is in medicine, but they basically manage to have most of their conversations not be in medicine and have a robust life, like you mentioned, outside of of their, yeah. their work life. So I guess it's a matter of balance and, uh, sure. and yeah, really yeah. finding that um, that balance of talking about medicine and having the the and the joy that it brings, but also making sure it doesn't take over your life. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. Like it makes me think of some people's preference of wanting to talk about medicine all the time. And maybe that kind of relationship would work for them. if, like they were talking to their partner about medicine. Um, But for me, it's just not that.
0: Yeah. And I think, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love talking about medicine. But I do think that even for the people who love talking about medicine the most, it comes to a point where um, there has to be more because otherwise you feel like you, you never leave the workplace.
2: Right. I totally agree. Yeah. I'm glad you were on the same page.
0: Yeah. You're like, you never leave the hospital. I don't know. I also, so Going to school first, second, third. I've lived in South Beach the whole time, and it's it's a bit of a drive. You know, it's like forty minutes on the way there, and it can take an hour sometimes um, on the way back. Sorry, and how
2: long have you lived in South Beach?
0: I've lived in South Beach since two thousand. What was it, seventeen? So since a year before med school.
2: Oh wow! I didn't realize you are there all of med school. Yeah, it's wow, a far drive.
0: It's a bit of a hard drive and everyone's like you're insane how are you driving so much and I mean aside from the fact that I actually like driving and that I enjoy like listening to audiobooks and podcasts on the way um mm-hmm. to school I love the fact that like when I left school I'm home like it's so yeah. far away that I can feel the separation
2: yeah that makes sense
0: yeah so I feel like that that could be an analogy for a relationship that's too close sure. to medicine. Yeah. And then the last topic that I've been debating with people, especially because I recently um, got a dog, well, yeah. almost a year ago, is pets in medicine. I know some people, and especially this is what I heard, is like, oh no, getting a dog in, med- in like during med school is so hard. It's going to take up all of your time, get it like after, like during residency or after residency, things like that. And it's just like it seems like it's never a good time. Um, but it's such a joy, like a source of joy and 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 warmth and happiness. Um, but what what are your thoughts? What have you heard? What are your plans? If you want to yeah. get a dog, if you have a dog?
2: What kind of dog do you have?
0: I have a dachshund. I have a long-haired oh, dachshund
2: cute. Uh,
0: she's the cutest thing in the planet. And she drives me crazy, but also <laughs> like, makes me so happy.
2: Yeah, I uh, I had a dog before med school for most of my life, and sadly he passed away right before, right before oh. med school. Um, and I don't think that I could handle getting another dog just yet. Um, for multiple reasons one I feel this is like a kind of on a tangent a little bit but I feel like I, I if I got a new dog it would be like replacing him so yeah. at, right now mentally I'm not ready for that um, but also I don't think I could fully be there for my dog at this point in my career and props to you and anyone else who has a pet right now Um, I just remember growing up with my other dog that I wanted to be there for him more. Like even when I was in high school and I went away for college, I wasn't there. So, you know, take him on walks and feed him. I only came back and was like, here I am, let's play. And like, didn't really take care of him all that much. And um, I'm grateful that my parents did. But if I were to get a dog, again, and I I think I will eventually, I would want it to be after residency. And I think you mentioned like, there's no good time for these things, but I think I wanna get through most of my training before um, I can like fully commit to like taking care of the animal, like almost solely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You you actually kind of made me like introspect and and see something that I had never really thought of before, but um I also I also had a dog in uh, uh back home in Venezuela and when I left he stayed with my parents and and he was older so I had him for for many years but I also felt at the beginning that it was like I don't think I can get another dog because it's almost like well, but he's my dog. This yeah. other one's going to be like, what, like a second? It almost yeah. felt like there was no space in my heart for this uh. other dog. Um, and then he, he passed away a few years ago as well. And and after that, it was still like, I knew I wanted another dog. I yeah. was just, yeah, I don't think I was mentally ready and also I was moving around. Uh, so I think that's, that's perfectly reasonable. And I feel that too. Thanks. Um,
2: I mean, sorry, you also went through that.
0: Yeah. So hard. They're basically like siblings or children or I don't know. I feel like Clara is like my child. Like
2: oh, for sure.
0: Oh my gosh. She was sick recently and, um, and had to be uh, like hospitalized.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: No horrible. And I was legitimately like outside of the vet in the car crying um yeah. <laughs> because it's it's they're like your family members and yeah. uh, and they bring you so much joy so i hope you find the time uh, when you're ready and when you have the time to dedicate to the dog cuz i also agree you have to you really have to have time and uh, and if you don't have the time maybe someone else like in your household thankfully my husband works from home and so he was able to take care of her while uh, I wasn't there,
2: yeah, that um, was really nice.
0: But otherwise, yeah, I would feel like I I wasn't giving her the the time that she deserved.
2: Yeah,
0: Arlia, thank you so much for coming on and talking about food and making me hungry again after <laughs> I to had lunch. Um, talking about pasta and looking at your Instagram. Shout out again to at Arlia cooks. <laughs> check it out and thank you so much for everything. Thanks
2: so much for inviting me on the podcast and we'll definitely have to make pasta together.
0: Yes, yes, maybe I'll be featured in your
2: Instagram. Oh yeah, for (laughs) sure. (laughs) Bye.